0: This is episode 197 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 197 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Mike Beer on the show. Uh, Mike sent me a video over Instagram saying why he wanted to be on the show. I thought he sounded like a good guy, wanted to have him on the show and uh, he had an interesting story they snuck out of communist poland and made their way to uh, canada when he was uh, less than 10 and uh, he's built himself up into quite the real estate investor he says he now has 10 buildings with about 17 units on average per building and he's growing that portfolio with a very recent transaction so in this recessionary declining real estate market environment he recently made a purchase we ran through those numbers in detail as well as mike's strategy how he's proceeding what he's doing Um, and what his outlook is on on how he's going to be proceeding with investments going forward. So it was a a really good discussion, um, one that I was very pleased to have. Before we get into the video, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube, and if you're one of our audio listeners. uh, Come on, if you haven't already done it, please make sure you do it. Five stars and a favorable review will help more people find the show, and I would greatly appreciate it. So thanks so much. Let's jump into episode 197 with Mike Beer. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have on the podcast today Mike Beer. Mike, thanks for being here. Hey Andrew, how are you? Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is
1: great. Been looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's great. I mean, it's the first time we've met. I, I think you sent me a video uh, letting me know you wanted to be on the podcast because I I saw you walk in. I'm like, I know that face. Um, so
1: exactly, I did send you a video.
0: Yeah. yeah so so just recap for me. Um, was that the first time we ever uh, chatted? Yeah,
1: yeah, it's okay. the first time,
0: and you're listening to the podcast for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I've been
1: listening to the podcast, so so that's been very yeah. positive, inspiration for sure.
0: Awesome. Okay, well, uh, tell me a little bit about you know yourself. Like, how long have you been an investor? How did you get into that? So, I've been an investor for
1: uh, just over, I would say, ten years. Um, okay. I mean. I got into real estate investing. Um, well, I'll tell you a little bit of a story. Yeah, by all means. If you want Love stories. <laughs> stories are great. Yeah. So, uh, so when I was, uh, you know, eight, nine years old, my parents uh, and I were living and my sister were living in, in Poland. And at the time, it was a communist country. So you couldn't really leave, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and then my parents were trying to get permission to, to go, uh, go abroad on, on vacation, um, and my dad worked as a cargo ship engineer, so he got a chief engineer. So he got to bring in stuff into the country that we yeah. wouldn't be allowed to bring in, like Western coffee and yeah. stuff. So he would bring a bag and stuff. So they're trying to leave. And uh, we w- couldn't get passports. So I remember going into a passport office with my mom. And then she just takes out the giant bag of coffee and gives it to the lady. The lady kind of looks around, grabs the coffee, and goes, "Your passports will be ready in a week."
0: Yeah, <laughs> so you a little grease the wheels <laughs> to get some passports. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we
1: essentially um, went on vacation to uh, to Norway, and then halfway through, our parents are like, "We're actually not going on vacation. We're we're not coming back." Never going back. And the then world. don't say anything to the officials, but we're just going on vacation. Vacation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we ended up through Norway kind of coming to Canada with, uh, with just, I'll tell you, not even suitcases, just like cardboard boxes.
0: Wow. Yeah. So, so just uh, a few things, clothing and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then humbly, my, uh, mm-hmm. my dad was a you know, chief engineer, ran a big crew on a cargo ship. He was working here in a factory and at night delivering pizza, pizza. Wow. So he would bring us pizza every night. Right. And then to this day, I just can't eat pizza, pizza yeah. anymore. <laughs>
0: so yeah, that's interesting. So,
1: you know what, that, um that experience really shaped uh, because my parents didn't have to come here. They were pretty OK over there. It's just they did it for, for my sister and I. Right. So we just had to do something with the with the opportunity of uh, being in Canada.
0: That would be such an interesting um, base of knowledge to, to have that experience have been in the communist country, like kind of seen how things are there. Uh, that would really shape how, probably how you would look at things today and and the opportunities you'd take advantage of.
1: Yeah, like we would line up for two hours to buy shampoo. Yeah. Right? Where people would yeah, line I've
0: up. Yeah, i heard like lineups for grocery stores are very common. I know a lady that's uh, from russia and she had the same same thing like it was food rationing like long multiple hour long lines at grocery stores and stuff
1: absolutely mind you now it's a completely different place beautiful feels like a western country yeah come and go it's just it's it's amazing now
0: right yeah yeah you've been back to visit lately yeah absolutely yeah okay yeah i know a girl who actually moved there she was from here went to school here in burlington and decided that she wanted to move there to start a family and stuff so um is things things turn around <laughs> it's interesting okay so uh obviously that's that's the beginning for you uh so you came over in the 80s then uh yeah in yeah. Uh,
1: in 87 yeah. 87
0: okay yeah so it, it the wall fell uh, what following year no it was a few the, years later it was the early 90s right yeah yeah. yeah yeah so um okay so how'd you get into investing from there obviously that gave you some perspective some mindset
1: so so I actually made a bunch of mistakes in in investing right i uh, I was an executive in uh, like i t traveling globally, managing different companies, um, uh, not managing companies but doing project large projects, complex projects for companies and and I wanted to pay off my mortgage, so I paid off my uh, paid off my mortgage before I realized what am I like what's next? what am I going to mm-hmm. do with with money and then I kind of remembered. Um, remember that you know, like it's it's not um, like my parents continued to struggle. I think later on too. Like I remember this moment where my dad finally, after becoming working in an office, went they went to uh, on vacation, very first vacation to Cuba, came back, and then he was let go on the spot. Mm. Right, and it was it was tough because they had zero savings, zero. Like uh, I mean. Uh, anything for the future, right? No, no RSPs, <laughs> nothing like that. So, so that triggered me. And uh, I met a, a buddy that his mom was investing in like pre-construction condos. Yeah. And then also around the same time, my wife's friend from McMaster uh, met with us for whatever social reasons. And he said, I have, um, yeah, yeah, I invest a little bit. I have 46 tenants, mm-hmm. right? And then that, that just blew my mind. I thought, I want to have 46 tenants. Yeah, 46 right? people <laughs> paying me. <Yeah. laughs> that's that's amazing. Okay. So he was investing like student housing. Okay. He was a realtor. And then we went uh, to learn <coughs> to Hamilton. And he said, okay, we're going to go learn for a couple days and show you some properties. First property I see, I bought. Oh, wow. Like the first one. So student rental or? What? It, it happened. It was... Um, it was a fourplex? Oh, okay. But it was an illegal fourplex. An illegal fourplex. Very but, common in Hamilton to this day. Yeah. yeah. But I did uh, yeah, I bought that. And um, and then yeah, and then it just happened that at the same time the two condos and the fourplex closed within like a month and a half. It was crazy stressful. It wasn't wasn't something yeah. I recommend to the audience.
0: Okay, wow. So this would have been, you said about like 10 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that was, that was sort of the start. And then what have you done since then? Like, was that, that, that was just run as a family rental. You had four, four, like, I don't know, individuals living in it, professionals, or just like, what was the dem- demographic you had renting to? So I had,
1: um, so, so listen to this because this is not the way to do it. So <laughs> I had two younger girls living in a basement. I had a couple in their 80s living in the main floor oh, yeah. and then I had a single guy uh, and then it, so it was just like hodgepodge of, yeah. uh, of of tenants and they were always fighting, complaining, right?
0: Is there a right or a wrong way to do that? And I've never owned a building like that. So that's uh, just like a, a genuinely curious question. Um, is there a really a right way to do that? Like what's the right way in your mind to handle that situation? So...
1: Not to buy um, illegal first. Because because it's not
0: properly soundproofed between the units. Right. That's your biggest single thing. I I had an old duplex downtown London and there wasn't proper soundproofing. And I just turn over tenants on the lower unit like crazy. Because they hear all the footsteps. they They get fed up with it. They leave.
1: And then the tenants researched that it was actually a grandfathered legal triplex. Yeah. So they called the city. Yeah. And then the city came. Right. So there was all those issues. But I would say in a smaller property like that, you want to stick to people like yeah. people with common lifestyles. Right. The couple yeah, trying get the same versus the versus yeah. the young girls. I mean, they're fighting like crazy all the time. Yeah.
0: Real estate values and interest rates are changing quickly and huge opportunities are opening up in the marketplace. But to take advantage of those opportunities, you're going to need real estate experts on your team. That's why I've brought my first sponsor on the show, Jacob Campanero with Royal LePage Signature. Jacob is an expert commercial multifamily realtor, and he's also the resident realtor on my new deal analysis show, REI Hot Seat, which is available on YouTube. If you're looking to add a quality piece to your real estate power team, Jacob and his team are there to help. To book a consultation with a member of his team, fill out the form available through the link in the show notes on this episode, and a member of his team will be in touch. Now, let's get back to the episode. What type of tennis do you go for now?
1: So, now um, it's so now, fast forward a little bit. Um, now, I own uh, multifamily properties, right? So, we buy those with investors. So, they're like 16, 17, 20 units and up. Okay. And then typically, we cater now to families, yeah. uh, not
0: to students. So, families with young kids. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, absolutely. It would be so like three to five people living in a unit, two adults. Right. So one to three kids, something like that. Yeah,
1: the average yeah. I would say is yeah. two adults and then two children. That would be okay. it. And then the 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 folks that are living there typically have nicer jobs, but better mm-hmm. jobs because the rents are higher, right? Um, but I mean, if other people come, sure, I'll take them on. It's just not where I market, right? Yeah. So it's so, so it's discrimination versus kind of being yeah. open, right? So don't <clears throat> discriminate. But when I put out my marketing material. Yeah. I kind of target that kind of a tenant, like a like a working professional couple with kids or or whoever.
0: Well, I think everybody like you kind of pick the archetype of your ideal tenant, and then you go for that, right? So you get the applications. You say this is what I'm looking for, right? And there there was there was landlords at Western that said girls only. I'm like that's discrimination. They don't care. (laughs) Yeah. No. 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 But at the end of the day, they could have just not said that and then applied that practice anyway. You know, shown it to me and then just not picked me. So at the end of the day, like I'm like. I appreciate that you were just upfront about it. Didn't waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> but this was like, yeah, when I wanted to go rent stuff. Like, I, But I don't think like one group specifically better than the other. Like I've heard landlords say, hey, like girls are cleaner. Oh, actually, no. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I actually had student yeah.
1: rentals uh, as well in yeah. Hamilton. And then people said girls are cleaner, boys are better. Or, or and then the reverse. It, was, it, was, it was flip-flop. Yeah, it just and depended it would, on your experience. Yeah. And it was just depending on the yeah. group. Yeah. Like the guys would break windows and stuff. And yeah. then the girls would cause other issues like um so yeah. and then all of a sudden different yeah. group would
0: be so there is no magic right. number i kind of like mixing groups yeah i think mixed is great uh, and also just people treat things how they see them so if it's if the house is presented to them pristine and clean and, and they see the attention to detail they'll tend to treat that house better than an old beaten up rental like i you could find a million examples of this, like an old, unrenovated, unupdated uh, rental will just get abused. I had one that like kids like had a paintball fight in uh, <laughs> versus the, the nice stuff like they'd stay multiple years, two members of their group would leave, they'd find replacements like they didn't want to leave and okay. and uh, they treat it like gold. Uh, that's really the way to do it as far as I can see.
1: Yeah, that's what I think too. It's it's more about providing tenants with quality mm-hmm. and then Value, expecting, right? expecting kind of a certain level of yeah.
0: behavior and treatment of the property. Right? Yeah, if I got to be a landlord, I want to have nice stuff because I know I'll attract better better people. And that, that's the way I've approached it. There's not to say you can't do it the other way where you have mediocre stuff and you just have really good management that weeds out the bad apples, right? It's just, it's harder to weed them out. It's not, it's a little less obvious who might be a bad apple when you have that, that product, I think.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think so too um you can kind of i don't know there is like uh there is no magic formula what that no. person looks like it's more of a feel around it is a feel, yeah. you, you check property. your references right? you do all that
0: and then you listen to the story <laughs> and kind of weigh it on is this going to be a problem for me uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on like do you pick people when you're when you're tenanting a building do you pick people uh knowing that they're they're potentially going to be lifers there. Like, do you think that the families that come into your building are using you as a transition while they look to buy a house? Are they going to be there one to five years? Um, like I know, for instance, Sarah Larby says that she wants only people on like a month to month tendency, okay. you know, professionals, because she knows eventually they're going to get married and have kids and they're going to move out. Like she doesn't want them forever. because she wants to be able to keep rent- raising rents. Um, you know, what? what's your philosophy with that?
1: You know what? I, um, so i have a team that kind of looks for people now but um i would say i don't like people that would stay uh, six months because it is costly to turn over it the is costly to and turn then, over yeah and then you typically have to paint the unit and then and then
0: but with rents going up like 25 percent over the last year it's almost worth having them leave in six months and then being able to rent it for that much higher granted how many are going to leave after six months right like you could still sign them to a year if you if you wanted to i think the big thing is knowing that they have a. Uh, have a reason that they would want to leave versus saying we're looking for our forever home
1: so i yeah. i agree with that partially yeah. but the 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 savings you're going to get over the six months of yeah. you have a tenant and then the trouble of turning oh it over. yeah no i hate turnover and in, in such yeah. it's going to be one is yeah. it's, it's going to be expensive I yeah. don't think you're going to realize the value if you raise te- no, raise no, rents no. I don't think so either. Six months. I'm thinking more like.
0: But who stays two, six months intentionally? Like right, two, that would be very years, rare. Yeah, right? that'd be very rare. Yeah, two to three years is a great a great. Once turnaround. it
1: hits, I, I see. Once it hits four, then we definitely there is alarm bells. Okay, we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta kind of move on, right?
0: Yeah, you want them to cycle out <laughs> after four years, ideally. Yeah, okay, yeah, so absolutely. so these are kind of growing families. They're going to use the space for a while, and then and then potentially move on to the next.
1: But I know a lot of people talk about young professionals, mm-hmm. and they talk about students, how it's cash flow. Mm-hmm. But I like families because stuff happens to families in a sense. They get another kid. Yeah. Someone yeah. eventually gets married, or people move out to get a job. Children yeah. go off to university and they don't need a place that big anymore. Yeah. Right. So there are changes continuously. So I, I tend to. Interesting. That's, that's why I like, kind of like families.
0: Interesting. I mean, there's probably like a million different scenarios we could go through. <laughs> um, obviously, like you have your, your income requirements, you're going to look for. Like it doesn't matter to you, professional jobs, blue collar. You're you're happy with all of it. You just want consistent income, uh, good credit. Like, uh, are these things your your management team is is checking?
1: Uh, typically, they have to they have to be responsible, right? With uh, with good credit. So mm-hmm. so I don't really look at if it's a blue collar job
0: because there's electricians
1: that make hundreds of thousands, yeah, thousand yeah. dollars a Trade, year. The trades
0: make great money. Yeah, right. Yeah, Journeymen trades make make more money than a lot of white collar. Most white collar, actually.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but then if, uh, if the tenants don't have a history of, uh, of employment, right? Um, then, and they're living with three different friends that are the same. Yeah. You know, it's, it's probably that. not going to work out. Okay.
0: So are you involved in the tenant screening?
1: Uh, at the very end, yeah. at some points. Okay. Right. Meaning, so I've kind of built a system because we now have a bunch of multifamily properties. Yeah, Property so managers I, as well. Uh, so we do a blended kind okay. of uh, formula. So I have property management more for the emergencies, two a.m. But really, I have a team on the ground too, in London, Hamilton, and Kitchener. Yeah, and then one back office team because I mm-hmm. find that the blended model gives us a little bit yeah. more control. I like and it's that a little too. bit Cheaper. We're well, right? still
0: delegating stuff, but you handle management internally.
1: But then the two a.m. broke yeah, the toilet. Yeah, you have somebody that can do that. Yeah. We have we have kind of that we can leverage the property manager for.
0: Oh, okay, okay. So you, they're actually a proper property manager. You just use limited services from them.
1: Exactly, gotcha. exactly. So just what we need. And then I, I think in the, in the end and the future is that we just kind of move on to our own property management. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the scale just quite
0: yet. Yeah, like, so where are you at now? Like scale-wise, like how many units approximately? So we have about uh, 10
1: buildings now. 10 and buildings, then, okay.
0: uh, Averaging like 10 units a piece or 15? Um,
1: now lately averaging around 17, 18. okay right? So I just bought one in uh, Kitchener, another one in Kitchener that's 16 units. Okay. And it's the same kind of, use, use like a pretty cookie cutter model, right? Where it's uh, it's a nice property built in the 1960s, 70s. Yeah. Um, nice brick on the outside. Although I had a tenant and he may be listening to this. He said, I don't want to invest or sorry, investor. I said, I don't like this brick. What's wrong with the color of this brick? And I said, that's the last thing I think about. It's mm-hmm. red brick. I think it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Right. But anyway, they're like brick, and then uh, and then, nice. You know, uh, nice. Um, just purpose built kind of building, uh, two, two, three units, uh, two, three uh, bedroom uh, mix.
0: In two this, and threes. Yeah. So not not ones in bachelors. Least there's not on that uh,
1: one. there's one one bedroom, twelve yeah. two bedrooms, and then and then the rest are three bedrooms. So I like that kind of mix.
0: As That's well. a nice mix. I don't. How common is that that mix? I feel like not very common. No, yeah. no,
1: actually, in that uh, in the 1960s, 70s, it's not very common to have like uh, that kind of mix.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. So when did you buy that one? So this one I'm buying right now. So you're in the process right
1: now. Yeah. Okay. So we just gone firm, and then. We're closing yeah. it at the end of November.
0: Do you mind walking through some of the numbers on that one?
1: Yeah, I can I can run through the numbers I have in my head.
0: Yeah, perfect. <laughs> no, that's the best. That's what we do on this show. So yeah, what'd you buy that one for? So that
1: one was uh listed for 3.5. Yeah. We actually got it for 3.2. Okay. Um mainly because we knew the owner through somebody. Um, and then I have a bit of a track record of buying properties okay. as well, that size, and then and then closing on them. Okay. So uh, three point two.
0: Okay, so three point two. And are you planning on doing some improvements, or it'll just be kind of as you go?
1: So fifteen out of the um, fifteen out of the sixteen units are not renovated. So the owner yeah. renovated a single unit. That's uh, that's vacant right now. So we're gonna okay. redo all the units.
0: So are you are you gonna do like the N thirteen? Get them all out. So.
1: We use like three different tactics because I find that there isn't like one silver bullet yeah. ever. We live in Ontario. Uh, people don't like the tenant laws. I actually think they could be a competitive advantage if you are an investor that's sophisticated. If you know what you're know doing, it, you can use yes. it
0: to your advantage. Well, so that that's like with anything, right? Every challenge has a silver lining. Like there's there's always a, or, you know, what's the expression? When one door closes, a window opens. Like there's yeah. always a way to take advantage of it. I mean, it's it's it
1: is frustrating yeah. even for me right now. But yeah. um, but I use three different ways. So one apartment buildings, unlike like duplexes and such, there is a bit of a formula on how many people actually move out, and then there, so there's yeah. natural. It's attrition.
0: like twenty five percent turnover a year. It could is be it yeah.
1: It depends on the tenant type, and then yeah. you can see it. It's anywhere like ten to twenty percent, or, or yeah, or whatever depends on the area okay. too. Right. Okay. Um, so that's one. Number two is we have buildings just outside of the city where we can actually relocate people to that are... The units are slightly okay. nicer. Because these these units, they're not great looking, right? Like if the there was a leak, for example, in one of the units, a mm-hmm. hole, and then the land, last landlord, he didn't fix it, right? Like a door breaks off a cabinet, it's still broken for five yeah, years, yeah, right? So some yeah. of the units are are not well maintained inside so then if a tenant sees i I could pay just a little bit more and then move slightly outside of the core area of the city they go for that somehow and then the last one is um cash for keys which i call Mm -hmm. check for keys because it has to be traceable
0: yeah and there's, there's nothing illegal about that right i think some people think cash for keys is illegal like you can make a private contract with people
1: absolutely and then that's what we do yeah. it's, a, it's a private contract yeah. and then it's an expense on yeah. you know when you tell your accountant this is a real expense
0: yeah of course <laughs> okay so one thing i could see being a little bit of a challenge with with that is like now when you want people to move you obviously want market rates on rent and we're 25 percent in canada pretty much across the board for increase in rental rates year over year so knowing that it's huge it, it would be a, no matter what, you're talking to these tenants that have been in there for a while. It's a big jump that you're going to want at the new place. That part might be a little harder. Uh, but like you said, there's there's a, a lot of different ways to do it. Some people don't need the space that they, you know, they were in a bigger unit than they needed. They could just downsize. There's obviously a way to, to make a lot of that work. And then Um, the one approach, which I, you know, I credit Kyle Ford with this is you give them the N13 so that they, they pack up their truck and they have the right to come back. But then as they're leaving, you go with, you go to them with, what's the one where they sign it on their own n 11 n 11. Yeah. And you present them with the N11 and say, Hey, you know, I can give you a a couple of grand right now. I see you're all packed up. You probably just want to move on. How about I just give you a couple of grand we signed the N11 and you're on your way. And, you know, it kind of says like, Hey, I don't know how long this is going to take. It could take 12 months, could take 18 months. You know, we're going to go at the speed of our contractors. So rather than keep you in limbo, you know, why you don't know you what? just look for your new place?
1: I'll tell you, that's that's a tactic. Yeah. But when you have a bunch of buildings in the yeah. city, mm-hmm. in the city figures out that that's what you're doing. Like you're yeah. getting permits for those N13s. Yeah. They could, they could flag you right, and sure. you're going to have issues in in the future. Yeah. So I mean, you could you could have issues a, no matter what. Yeah. Like, yeah. I agree. With it. Like there's but always if you're doing on yeah. a bigger scale. Yeah. it's It's it doesn't just have to, I guess, the way I kind of think of it mm-hmm. with tenant targeting and then also kind of um, unit evictions, I look at the whole picture. Yeah. Right? I look at what would my investors want me to do, right? Mm-hmm. Because. Some of them are high-profile investors, so they don't want to be associated yeah. with anything that's extremely negative.
0: Right? Yeah, and I, I wouldn't either. Like, I don't think that that has to be a negative. Like, it, like obviously, they're only going to sign it if it's a win-win, right? If they're already yeah. going, like, and at the end of the day, like these people could come back uh, unless you present them with an offer that they would prefer.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I guess I guess where I'm going is that's a that's a good tactic, but mm-hmm. there are other ones that sure. are more aggressive that I don't yeah. typically take. Oh yeah, yeah, I it's hear, because. Yeah. Because then, if the media gets a hold of it, then you have another yeah. like thing to manage, and yeah. it's complicated. So I rather actually go with slightly less profit, turn just slightly, yeah, right, turn over the units a little slower, and then but get it done in like a reasonable manner. Yeah, that for sure. Works, right? And
0: I like that too. Like that's less hands-on. I don't like going through the whole like asking people to leave. I don't like that process. I really don't. Uh, I like to treat my tenants. Um, with a lot of dignity and respect and, and leave them to themselves, um, you know, very, very hands-off model. But I do have to acknowledge like, for my own model, like I've left a lot of profit on the table yeah. by not really oh. pushing on, on turnovers at all.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You're so there's gotta, a balance. There's a balance just so yeah. much. You know what? Yeah. I've also learned on the fourplex that there is there is something called a headache factor. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you get the financial aspect of it. Like, how much mm-hmm. of a pain in the butt do you want this to be? Right. So if I look at if I look at investment, if it's going to be uh, mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of pain to go through this, yeah, then it's probably not worth it. Right. So how can I go yeah, through this yeah. and then re- and make it as easy as possible for? For, yeah, for me, for my team, and yeah. for for the investor.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really don't like turnover <laughs> as much as it's like, oh, I could make more money. I'm like, yes, but we have to go through all this all over again. <laughs> yeah, I need uh, obviously like you need to have a really good team in place for those turnovers uh, mm-hmm. to just make it more pain free. So let's just talk about what you expect to spend. Like, what do you expect to spend on these for uh, improvements?
1: So so roughly, it's going uh, to be fifty-five thousand
0: per to, unit per unit. So we're fifty-five thousand times fifteen. Times fifteen. Yeah, fifteen units. You said how many units in total are you? Sixteen units. 16 and, then and fifteen. 15 un, unit. un, un, okay, so your purchase and improvements total, um, and so,
1: so just over eight hundred k.
0: Yeah, eight twenty five. So, so the the total of all this is about. Oh, for some reason, it did that as a percentage here. Okay, so about four million dollars you'll be into it in terms of purchase and improvements,
1: and then and then you have a little bit of. Um, um cash needed to to cover some of the negative cash flow right because yeah because this kind of property the okay. dcr isn't strong enough to go with, okay
0: so you're gonna be negative for a while like for, what, for what will little. you budget for the negative cash flow like 100 g's or, right yeah. exactly
1: yeah. um but yeah. um okay so it's so obviously when you buy a property like this like a mm. tier a lender will not lend you the no, money not, for this kind of problem not initially anyway and then you look at like credit unions the b lenders they won't lend you money for it either so then really? you have to go to kind of institutional uh like investors and and, and mix and, and and things like that to to borrow funds uh, okay for, for so you're,
0: you're working with some mix and we'll talk more about that but that's for yeah. just a short period of time sure what do you figure you're going to get your rents up to on average for that building so the so the average rents
1: are um, below a thousand for for that to building, start yeah To start and yeah. then we're gonna get them to roughly two thousand okay. dollars. And I know these numbers seem whole numbers, but it's actually gonna be for a two bedroom two thousand and ten dollars. That's the target. <laughs>
0: okay, no, I, I like that. It, you know, keeps it simple. So so basically two thousand times sixteen, so about thirty two thousand dollars a month. Uh, once you you know, once you get to that point. Uh, do you know approximately what your your um, taxes will be on that place? So taxes are thirty two thousand. Thirty two thousand. Okay. Yeah. Same as your rent. <laughs> will be. <laughs> uh, insurance on something like that. What? Like four grand? Yeah, like five thousand. Five thousand. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maintenance. I've got five percent here by default, which would be nineteen grand. Does that sound too high or too low? No, that sounds reasonable. That's a good budget. Um, Keeping in mind that I'm gonna ask you about landscaping and snow removal separately. Okay. Yeah. So what will those be? Landscaping and snow. So
1: landscaping and snow will be around five thousand.
0: Five thousand. And any like it could garbage, be a little bit less. But... Garbage pickup, superintendent, any anything like that or no? So there will be
1: a superintendent probably about two hundred bucks a month. Okay. But it's it's more of a partial kind of superintendent. Okay. So we'll put that Um, there, and then cleaning is in there. Cleaning, okay, Um, yeah. Garbage pickup will be um, around
0: one sixty a month. Yeah. Okay, so let's see here. Plus one sixty times twelve. So landscape, snow, and garbage together about seven grand then, or seventy-sixty-nine hundred. Management? You gonna pay some management there?
1: Well, that's included in the fight. You mentioned five percent for maintenance for
0: management. Oh, 5% for management. Okay. Yeah. So for maintenance, what uh, what would you uh, think it's so going to be? So some
1: of the kind of day-to-day stuff I mentioned 200 bucks a month.
0: Yeah, so with with maintenance what I'd like to do is kind of figure things breaking, turnovers, painting, uh, minor repairs, but you're oh, already getting you're uh, already doing so much renovation. So uh, and then then there'd be the life cycle items like windows, roof, uh, central boiler, furnace, anything okay. like that. So
1: that would be roughly at the beginning. It's a little higher. It's a lot higher. Yeah. So it would be like nine hundred dollars a month. Would you be per unit? Okay. Sorry, nine hundred per year per unit. Per unit, unit yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was thinking. So so equals so like nine hundred times uh, 16, sixteen units. That's about fourteen grand. Yeah. So so more like say four percent. It works out to be okay. Uh, and then utilities. What do we got for utilities?
1: So now you're asking. You know what I. Don't know hundred percent off offhand what the utilities will be on that particular building.
0: Do you, well, we can do some estimates. Um, what's uh, what is being paid for by you and what is not? Like, are so the tenants I'm
1: paying for um, everything? You pay for all of it. Yeah. So, right now, would you
0: say between water, gas, and electric, like one unit might, on average, what be like two hundred a month or two fifty somewhere in there? for the year 200
1: so that's 2016 that's 32
0: yeah that's pretty close so we could say 200 times 12 we can use that number for now times 16 units that'd be thirty eight thousand four hundred for the year for utilities everything water gas let's use that any sort of hot water tank rental if you have it anything like that Um, we could be off we could play with that number
1: and then there is the laundry income as well
0: Oh, you get some laundry income.
1: Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's that's probably around twenty dollars per unit, per year, per month.
0: Plus, okay, twenty times twelve times sixteen. Okay, that's not nothing. That adds on a that adds on a that's about three grand a month.
1: Is that wrong? 20 dollars. Th- $20 oh, unit, sorry. Yeah, per I, unit, did it, I did it times month. twelve. Sorry,
0: my my bad. Okay. So yeah, that's a few hundred bucks. That's good. That's good everything every little bit helps <laughs> so um okay so i think we've we've rounded out these expenses all right so you're all in on this one for 4125 uh, according to my numbers i know that could vary a bit oops 4, 1, 2, 5. okay so your cap rate based on your all-in number is about four point or 6.4 Mm-hmm. which historically is like really amazing <laughs> in 12 months ago numbers like that's insane like no you wouldn't have had a cap rate that high not even close um it, you would have probably been probably more like a four cap or something like that buying it right yeah um okay so here's the tricky part because you're going in and buying at what level of financing are you getting going in like in a dollar value
1: so we're getting a 75 percent
0: Seventy-five percent of your purchase price.
1: Loan to value, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like so, that. in your purchase price is the three point two. So, let's just see what that would work. Here. Time, equals point seven five times um, three two. So, about two point four million. So that's kind of like sixty percent of your all-in value after you do do the renovations. So you got 75%.
1: And then, um, so this is not confirmed yet, but some of the Renault will be also. They're going to give you some? Yeah.
0: Okay, so yeah. you might be a bit higher. You might be up to like 2.8 million with the reno, right. whatever they give you for that. Okay, so we'll say that. Um, and after you've stabilized the building, are you going to be going for like an institutional loan, like a BMO or an RBC or a credit union?
1: So, you know what we have
0: about, um,
1: we have minimum of two years to stabilize the building mm-hmm. it actually could take three and yeah. then looking at doing either institutional or like a cmhc type of uh loan. so a
0: cmhc is possible because um, you have
1: all this time right to,
0: yeah you can uh, work you can work through that so say at the end of two years you can put a cmhc loan in place probably gonna take longer than that more like three years right, right. who knows where rates are at that point but say like if you were thinking today's rates, the CMHC rate you would get would be what, like around five percent or four seven five. You know
1: what? Today I don't know because they it's have It's changed so much, yeah. right? It's it's changed. It's in changed. In, uh, I haven't done an HCMHC uh yeah. in the last, let's say yeah a little bit w- little bit,
0: right? Say so. it'd be say it'd be even five point two five percent. But at then seventy if, at seventy percent uh, loan to value, that's at that building's gonna cash flow On a thirty year am your payments around fifteen thousand eight hundred. Your cash flow is around sixty one hundred a month.
1: And if their interest rates kind of continue being high, you can yeah. get into a conventional for a year or two or whatever. Yeah. And then just kind of look forward. Like nobody knows where the interest rates are going. Yeah. But if they're if they're high yeah. because the government's putting pressure on to, yeah. to decrease inflation, right, they're not going to do that forever
0: yeah it's it's tough to know how long it's gonna last i mean if we look at the 80s like the high rates pretty much lasted like 10 to 15 years not as high like they kind of slowly came down over the course of 15 years down to like six percent from Mm -hmm. like 15 um so it took time but i mean even at seven percent you've got three thousand dollars of cash flow at your 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 newly adjusted numbers after you've turned everything over and then let's not forget that this is three years in the future if rates continue to go higher and restrict people's ability to buy then we're going to continue to see rents pushed up
1: and the rents have been going up yeah so it
0: could be even higher than than you're thinking here absolutely Uh, that is kind of one of the uh, the saving graces and i think with commercial real estate why it hasn't been affected as much um in terms of a dollar amount like on a price per door amount uh, with this downturn is uh, because rents have been pushed up so yes your cap rates are going up but rents were going up and offsetting that so mm-hmm. so the values of the buildings were, were staying roughly more stable not completely but more it, so
1: exactly and yeah. then this is um so this building is in kitchener and in kitchener the the rents have been going up yeah. quite a bit and then the current vacancy i think is just under two like, percent right yeah. so for condos is one is i think it's point nine and then for uh for apartment yeah, it's it's just below 2%.
0: And that's something I could adjust here. I had a 1% <clears> vacancy <throat> for you, but I could put 2, and then so at 2%, you know, still even at 7% interest rate, 30-year am, 70% loan to value, it's, you know, 2600 bucks a month uh positive. That's great. I mean, of course, there's still the challenge of, you know, between land transfer, down payment and your portion of the renovations, you know, we're like 1.3 million dollars mm-hmm. in. And that's where the investor funds mm-hmm. come from.
1: Exactly. So so the investor funds are going to fund the down payment, right? We put some of our own money in too, um, as well as the closing mm-hmm. costs and then some of the renovation costs
0: Okay. going to come, right? Want to network with like-minded investors and get an idea for what the best of the best are doing? Better make sure you make it out to our next GTA West REI meetup. This is a new meetup that's replacing the Greater Hamilton REI meetup that I used to host. We launched our first meetup in November. It was a great success. We had about 75 people out and we're looking forward to doing more of them and having more people come out. It really is a great opportunity to connect with a lot of people that I've been in contact with online or seen in the comments and now I can finally put a face to the name. And I think you'll have a similar experience if you attend our events. Our next event is happening on December 8th from 7 till 9.30 p.m. at Clifford Brewing in Hamilton, Ontario. If you'd like to attend the event, it's very important that you click the link in the description of this video or in the show notes of this episode and make sure that you add yourself to the group. And then once you're in the group, please be sure to add yourself to the event so that we know who's coming and we can notify the establishment. Are you looking to get more into the weeds with the numbers and deal analysis? Well, then you're gonna wanna check out my brand new show on YouTube, REI Hot Seat. So if you're looking to talk about very specific numbers and quantitative elements that go into making a real estate investing decision, you're gonna wanna check out this show and make sure that you're subscribed. Join us weekly for new and current episodes that factor in current market conditions and help viewers understand the dynamics that go into making an investing decision today. I look forward to seeing you in the comments section over there. Thanks, let's get back to the episode. Explain to me who your your target investor is and how you find them. So, I I would say we have kind of two avatars,
1: right? They call them avatars. So one are um, executives because, as you know, I, I used yeah. to work as an executive in in uh, information technology. So I have a lot of contacts there. Okay. And then two are business owners. Business so owners. So those are those are two kind of communities I've okay. been pretty involved in so so. yeah
0: are you are you going to to um i'm trying to think of like the chamber of commerce and and things like that Uh, i did yeah i didn't get any investors i was about to say did did, did that ever work (laughs) After,
1: but you can go to business clubs talk to people yeah but i think a lot of it has been through contacts i've already developed in the industry because i've been working for for quite a while and then friends of friends and then I've used like business organizations. Uh, yeah, business organizations. As well. But it's been um, a lot has have been mostly I would say accredited investors. Yeah. Uh, but then a lot of friends have wanted yeah, to because friends. they're just not as much as you know, we think that everybody wants to be a real estate investor. People yeah. don't want it. Not everybody wants to be a real estate investor. I
0: I don't even really. Want <laughs> I mean, I I like it. Like, I like what can what it can do for you. But I mean, I'm more of like an objective. Like, it always made sense to me. Like, that was that was why. Like, I just invested in it because it made sense to me. And it's fun to build things. Like, I mean, the construction part's really fun, like, especially when I get to use tools, which is relatively not that often. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, for sure. I agree with you. Not everybody wants to be a, uh, a landlord for sure. Like, and, I generally, I think most people are afraid to do that.
1: And I'll tell you one kind of quick thing which, uh, which helped me crystallize that decision whether to, to become like a bigger real estate investor. Mm-hmm. So I was sitting in an office, we're kind of working for a company, and then just, you know, having a coffee, chilling out, eleven o'clock, thinking about just kind of casually doing work. Yeah. And my boss runs up and says, "Okay, Mike, we got to do this presentation. You got to run across the street, yeah. complete it, and then present it for twelve o'clock. Yeah, in one hour." And I thought, "Wow, like yeah. this is not nu- this is nuts, right? Like I someone can take control of your time hundred mm-hmm. percent and then do that." So yeah. at that point, I decided, you know what, I gotta be kind of um I wanna be in control of my time, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't kinda of like the executive path. I wasn't doing it for, for the ego. Yeah. It's more for something I like because I've I think that there's so many bumps along yeah. the way on especially in multifamily, that if you don't truly like it, if you're mm. doing it because you just feel like you want to own a big building, yeah, then it'll be it's gonna be a really tough journey.
0: Yeah. Think about, oh man, what you just said—that's so accurate. The ego thing, and you probably saw that in school. And like, what what did you study at school?
1: Uh, so in university, it was uh, math and computer science. Okay, you so did.
0: you probably saw some e- pretty big <laughs> egos in that too, right? <laughs> I mean, I saw it like in business school. Just like people take the executive jobs. Like they go, they they went to be bankers, consultants, whatever. And um, I had to think because like this path, like s- such intelligence among this group, and and the path that we're in, like real estate like it's no secret that people in the last 10 years like you you could make so many mistakes and still be so profitable
1: absolutely and and
0: and do a lot less work than some of these executive types are doing um and they all had the ability to compute that in their minds but i think so much of it is the title like i'm ceo i'm director of this or i you know i'm partner and um I that think was so me. much so much of that is driven by ego it is you're me. so right about that like it, it really is and and even me and my ego like back in the day like i'm like oh, i'm gonna go to law school and like i eventually talked myself out of that but it, it wasn't because i wanted to be a lawyer like i wanted the title and eventually i just went completely polar opposite to all that i'm like <laughs> screw all this like i don't i don't care about any of that like i i don't want any of that like you know i just want it's a simple life and um although i don't know if the, you can call this simple but <laughs> just very different path And uh, so I know that's a tangent discussion, but uh, interesting point you brought up. So I just thought I'd comment on
1: it. No, I I was traveling uh, like around the world, you know, to Asia, have big teams everywhere. And then I wanted that that title. And Mm -hmm. then I felt like, you know, just people when they heard the title and then they imagine how much money I was making, whatever. That was, Mm -hmm. it was fulfilling in a wrong way. In a wrong way. Yeah. And then that moment came, that 11 o'clock moment where I decided, you know what? I actually, and I spoke to a, another guy that tried to recruit me to another big consulting company. He said mm-hmm. it's a great position; you can kind of run this region. And 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 then, and I looked at him. He looked tired, like his eyes yeah, exactly. were exhausted. Tired, I'm like, yeah. so what do you do for yeah. fun? And he's like, you know what? I, I wish, don't have fun. <laughs> I wish I could go to Argentina to mountain yeah. climb for two weeks. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, wow, this yeah, guy can't get away for like two no, weeks. No,
0: and it's not the way. Yeah, it's not the and way. It's not the
1: money, right? Because. For him,
0: maybe some like CEOs and directors can hire help and, and hire assistants and maybe maybe eliminate some of their tasks. But I feel like when you're an employee, no matter what you do, if you have free time, your boss will just come to you and say, OK, I have this, this and this you can do or your board of directors. If you're at the top, you know, they're going to say, OK, we want to see new initiatives since you've got all this time, Mr. CEO, uh, whereas if you're your own boss, you solve that problem. Now you can delegate and actually free up your time.
1: So I kind of went into the multifamily very conscious mm-hmm. of if I'm doing that. If yeah, because you could get really busy, and, yeah. and it wasn't. Yeah, the, it wasn't. You I actually liked it. I liked the problem solving, mm-hmm. kind of the 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 complexity of it because of mm-hmm. the, I guess the technical background. And yeah. another one is I figured out that I'm really good at kind of taking leaps and then into like bigger projects. Okay. So, so I'll tell you kind of a mini story where that came from. So, so, I'll tell you a story about kind of like the, the aspect of, of taking leaps where I, where I figured that out. Yeah. It's, uh, I was at six years old. My mm-hmm. sister was 12. We're standing in front of like a big Olympic pool on the platform. Yeah. Trying to pass like a, like some kind of a, like a certificate to swim. So, you can yeah. rent like water sport equipment. Mm-hmm. I could barely float. It was like 15, 20 feet deep. Yeah. Right. And then the lifeguard goes, okay, jump. Yeah. My sister's like, nope, I'm not doing it. Me, I jumped, right? Oh, Six yeah. years old, started sinking, sinking. I see kind of bubbles coming up and then I see this hand grab me yeah. and then pull me out. It was the yeah. lifeguard. Okay. And then he started yelling at my mother saying, like, what are you doing? This kid doesn't know how to swim, whatever. Right. Yeah. So it was impulsive. Mm-hmm. Right? And then so was the buying the fourplex, but yeah. I learned to kind of. Marry that with significant amount of due diligence and team. Yeah. And then that comes together as actually I was
0: I would say now it's a superpower right yeah you need that impulsive to a degree to take action right you can't just never take action you got to take action so in, instead of it's helpful of yeah
1: an analysis by yeah, paralysis yeah, yeah. and continue you gotta, to watching
0: sometimes you'll never know right you you, <laughs> you get in and you find a way to swim and that's not advice because everybody's different some people's personalities work perfect for that and some people that's the worst thing they could do so uh, it's it's a very personal decision yeah um, mike is there anything you wished i'd asked you about that we haven't talked about today
1: um I think that um I would say a couple things about maybe the biggest mistakes yeah. cuz I I definitely don't want people to make the bigger yeah. mistakes. And then one is sitting on the sidelines for too long kind of paying off your mortgage. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that slowed me down was that I thought I could figure stuff out off YouTube free resources yeah. and, and such. And it's not until I decided to just commit myself, right, to and get a mentor, get um, start paying for courses, education. That's mm-hmm. when the path kind of really, really accelerated. Yeah. I was I was really fortunate to get a get a mentor that mm-hmm. owned that uh, owns a very large read. Yeah. Um, and then that's been, you know, it's expensive, but it's been very, uh,
0: beneficial. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you worked out some sort of coaching agreement with, with this. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's smart. I mean, find, learn from people who are experts. Like why wouldn't you, uh, however you make that can make that happen. I think it's worth doing. Um, okay. And just final words of wisdom as far as this climate with the declining real estate values, how do you move forward here? Like when you look at the, the way things are going, how do you plan to move forward? Um, what path makes sense to you from a acquisition standpoint? Are you are you looking to buy more now? Are you waiting? Um, how do you head yourself against potential you know, further downturns? So,
1: so now I find that it's ex, it takes extra time to talk to investors and then educate them about the market. Last year, I was pretty frustrated with lack of buying opportunities. Mm -hmm. So a lot of sellers were really feeling overly optimistic about what they owned. Now, I feel like it's the calm before the storm. So if a recession comes, great, but a lot of sophisticated sellers. Mm -hmm. So mind you, I'm buying stuff from people that are 70, 75 years old or older, um, they're still very sophisticated because no one, an unsophisticated, owns a 20-unit building. Yeah. So they're unloading before the recession and who knows how long that cycle is. Mm-hmm. So really looking at the situation in terms of don't go with the herd. Yeah. Just do a lot of analysis, see if it makes on paper, yeah. makes sense on paper, and then just make yeah.
0: that leap, right, to, to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, personal note, I I would say, look at a building and say, if this was underwater, would I still be happy owning it? You know, if it was worth less than I owe on it. And in some cases, I guess if it's making, you know, enough money a month, you'd say, Hey, you know what? I'll just ride that positive cash flow out, right? Run the scenarios on the higher interest rates. See, Hey, if I have to renew at 3% higher than current, do I still like it? 5% higher than current. Can I do that? Um, I think if you can cover those scenarios, then you, you know, if you're willing to hold longer term, there's still lots of deals to be had now that, that could potentially make great portfolio pieces in the long run.
1: And the harder part is the yeah. psychology, not the, yeah. s- not the kind of the technical aspect or semantics yeah. of it, right? So just getting yourself over that hump and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm
0: doing this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Mike, where do people reach you?
1: Uh, they can reach me on uh, mikebeer.ca and if you wanted to take a look at how I do deals,
0: uh, go to mikebeer.ca slash invest. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I'm glad we had a chance to meet and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide, help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. Real estate values and interest rates are changing quickly and huge opportunities are opening up in the marketplace. But to take advantage of those opportunities, you're going to need real estate experts on your team. That's why I've brought my first sponsor on the show, Jacob Campanero with Royal LePage Signature. Jacob is an expert commercial multifamily realtor, and he's also the resident realtor on my new deal analysis show, REI Hot Seat, which is available on YouTube. If you're looking to add a quality piece to your real estate power team, Jacob and his team are there to help. To book a consultation with a member of his team, fill out the form available through the link in the show notes on this episode, and a member of his team will be in touch.